0: Welcome everybody to the Steve Jordan Experience. It's great having you back with me today. Today's host, or today's guest host, I'm your host, (laughs) is is someone unique, someone that we don't typically have on the show. We normally have health and fitness and lifestyle experts, but today we have someone who is a influencer, someone who has a thriving business in the wine business. Uh, She has a family-owned wine cellar, uh, she is very uh, philanthropic. She has several different types of uh, programs that she's involved in. And I thought it would be a great episode because many people drink wine. And I have been in several conversations with clients about how much wine is good for you, how much wine is not. Uh, people think that just unwinding at the end of the day with wine is. Uh, a good thing to do. Um, And perhaps the science and the research is out there that it might be. But I always say, when you look at almost anything under a petri dish, and you, you know, kind of magnify it, you can almost pull and extrapolate anything good out of it. So uh, not to, you know, to boohoo wine drinking and or wine, but I thought it'd be an interesting conversation to have with someone who is an expert in the wine business to talk about some of that and the benefits of drinking wine and the antioxidants. Um, so without further ado, please welcome Bonnie Meyer.
1: Thank you very much, Steve. Very good to be here.
0: Awesome. And you're coming uh, at us from Maui, Hawaii, which is super cool. Um, love the islands of Hawaii. Always feel very at peace with myself when I'm there. Are you feeling that way right now?
1: Absolutely. Maui's. Uh, to me, really has a a healing vibe to it, you know, a healing mm. energy. And yes, it is a good place to be well, during this COVID time.
0: Yeah, certainly. So when yeah. you say this, let's let's, let's, let's discuss that a healing property. So, um, you know, I want the audience to kind of get because typically, again, we have health and wellness and lifestyle people on here talking about health, wellness, fitness. And what does healing mean to you? How does that how does that uh, show up for you on a daily basis when you're in Hawaii?
1: Well, healing. I think about healing on a uh, on a regular basis, whether I'm in Hawaii or not. Uh, but there is medical treatment, there is curing, and there is healing, and they're different things. Mm. And uh, medical treatment, we know if if I cut myself badly, I'll have stitches. That's a that's a treatment or uh, medication can be a treatment. Um, curing is, as the name implies, it means that I no longer have that ailment. And healing. So healing means that you, is a really a holistic uh, uh, state of being almost. And, and a good example of the difference is if someone has breast cancer And they can have the treatment, they can have the surgery. The breast cancer can be uh, declared cured uh, by tests and all that. But sometimes the person is not healed. In other words, they still feel traumatized um, Mm. by the impacts of all these things, or they haven't reconciled how they're different. A cancer diagnosis often does that you need to reconcile with yourself. Oh, I guess I'm not gonna, uh, you know, it's a wake up call. I guess I'm not, um, it, immortal, I guess, mm. you know, this is something I'm going to have to live with. And so, um, healing, especially when it comes to cancer is a, it's a good example. Um, really is an internal journey and any place mm. that's peaceful, whether it's, uh, your bedroom in the middle of the day and nobody's around or it's a walk in a park or it's a place like Maui actually is conducive for healing. And I read something just the other day that I love. And that is that our, our internal systems are our way of um, feeling about things, whether I'm feeling joy or guilt or shame really has a big impact on my health and our internal state is actually like a Petri dish. And so that Petri dish, and we have control over it. Um, if we begin to learn, uh, tech consciousness techniques, but that Petri dish will either encourage healthy, uh, bacteria, healthy, uh, healthy growth, or it will, or it will feed, uh, viruses bacteria cancer cells so so that's all That maybe that's more than you wanted awesome. to hear <laughs> no <laughs> i think hearing, it's
0: wonderful i think it's you know i i, I asked the question because it gives us insight of who you are right even deeper than just your your resume and allows our audience to connect with you in a in a, in a, in a personal level um how do you what actions do you take daily let's just say again while you're there in hawaii but you said you do it elsewhere what do you do daily to heal to feel that peace that find that balance within
1: i have a i practice gratitude every day i'm always looking for things that um or noticing that i'm that i'm grateful for lots of little things i even had a practice i actually have had cancer three times and uh-huh. And so I, um, at one time I had a practice of a gratitude practice where I would just do stream of consciousness and I would think about, um, you know, I'm grateful for my pain today because it means mm-hmm. I'm alive. You know, I'm, I'm grateful for, uh, what I'm going, going through because I will grow from it, you know? So not just grateful for, you know, the nice sunshine, but grateful the, for the, for everything there's Mm. when when you think about it and then the other thing i do is i i do meditate i meditate very in short periods um but it's i get into a meditative state regularly even for a few moments in the middle of the day or a little longer in the first thing in the morning and those things really help create that uh that healthy peachy dish of uh, of our life inside, yeah.
0: I love that. Well, it gives us a a, a very mindful thought about who you are um, because your resume is bold and 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 quite profound in the business world. And you know you are uh, kind of considered a, a pioneer among women in in the wine business and in among other areas of focus. Um, tell us how you got involved in. The wine business and and how it became part of your lifestyle, culture, and family heritage.
1: Well, that's a unique story. I uh, went to university at the University of California, Davis, and within the first month there, I made a new friend. Uh, I met Brother Justin. So he was a monk uh, from the Christian Brothers' orders, and he was actually in training to run christian brothers winery which was one of the largest wineries in the country at in the in the late 60s which is when we met we became fast friends um eventually we fell in love with each other but really tried not to be in love with each other and um then a few years when i after that when i finished school we we married and we crushed our first grapes for uh, the winery silver oak uh, the same week we were married. So we just dove right into it because, uh, because of his time at Christian brothers, he was, he really knew what moved him and Christian brothers. they, They were making 40 different varieties of wine and dessert wines and brandies. And what he really longed to do was create, uh, a world class cabernet, and only that, mm. and which is what we set about doing from that first moment.
0: Amazing! Wow! Wonderful! Uh, and tell us the the lifeline of that relationship uh, with the wine and the winery, and how you got to where you are uh, today.
1: Well, we started the winery in 1972, and in that very humble way, we they were the first grapes were grapes that were on a property that our partner our financial partner owned they were they were crushed and and fermented at Christian Brothers because of uh, Justin's relationship there and for a number of years the grapes were crushed for ten years actually the silver oak grapes were crushed somewhere else. so they were crushed at Christian Brothers then later they were crushed at. Uh, the wines were made at Franciscan Winery, which we bought out of bankruptcy uh, and and then sold. And eventually, uh, around the 10, 10th year anniversary, uh, we had uh, finally built a w- Silver Oak Winery. And so one of the, I would say one of the pillars of our success was not feeling like we needed to start with a winery. And and really uh, being scrappy and humble enough to just get going, and and uh, in the most practical way possible. And once we had the winery in in uh, eighty two, we started entertaining visitors. We thought we would have two a day maybe, and then it got to be hundreds and. And then uh, for our release days, uh, our visitor count was about 2,000 people. Um, wow. The two days of year that we released our wines. And the again, the success of Silver Oak, I think was really based on uh, who we were, the passion that we put into our wines. And I often think that that Justin and my love for each other that that love affair that started um, unintentionally uh, really really infused the wines with with that love and that beauty and the uh, silver oak cabernets became great attractors for people i my job was was uh, marketing and i had the easiest job in the, at the winery Mm -hmm. because i did almost no marketing it was Mm -hmm. really a matter of responding to what uh, people were asking for Uh, like the release days we just started releasing our wines a couple times a year and then we started people were asking well when do you release them when you've run out i want to get be there so we just started letting people know and they just came it's not because we advertised and um and it's a great example of when you produce something that you've put a lot of love and heart and intention and integrity into, then it attracts uh, the customers and loyalty, an amazing amount of loyalty, Wonderful. and makes her good makes her good life too.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think yeah. that that's a really profound statement that you made there because it doesn't matter what business you're in, if you find that passion, that something that you really truly love. You create the work or the business around it. Um, Even if you're not an entrepreneur, you know, if you work for a company doing something you love, it doesn't feel like work and you have that integrity and intention and love for that and it will manifest and it will come. So I think it's a, a great testament to your story there that, you know, follow the work you love or do the things you love and the work and money will follow rather than the opposite way around.
1: That's exactly true. And I've got a quick story about that. And this is a true story told to me by a friend. He was visiting his father who was in the hospital and not conscious. You know, he was elderly, wasn't doing well. He was unconscious. And a man came into the hospital room and he looked around and he took a painting off the wall and put up another one. And then he looked around some more. And he took another one and replaced another painting image uh, on the wall in this hospital room. And my friend asked him, so what are you doing? And, and he replied, I'm making, I want to make sure that when Joe opens his eyes, he will see something beautiful. Mm. And that. That man who was, who was moving the paintings around was an orderly. And an orderly in hospital is actually a pretty low position. But he embraced his position and knew that he was a healer along with all the doctors and nurses.
0: Mm, wonderful. That's yeah. a beautiful story. And I think it's true. We all, no matter what you do, where you're at in your career, like we provide value by providing the love for what we do. And that's mm-hmm. most important. Yeah, mm-hmm. Wonderful. Great story. Thanks for sharing. So tell me about your your knowledge of wine and its abilities to uh, you know, help heart disease, uh, lower cholesterol uh, and have several other health aiding effects. What is your knowledge in and around that? And then can you comment on it in a, in a very educational way?
1: I can. First, I better make a disclaimer. I am not a doctor. <laughs>
0: there <you go>. Thanks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I'm not wow. a medical researcher. So I um, have heard lectures and I have done a little you know, research on the on the web. So what I'm about to say, you can anybody can find um, one of the studies that I heard about. This is maybe two decades ago uh, was in Scandinavia. And it basically said, that, and and you might recall or know that in Scandinavia, people tend to drink hard alcohol, like vodka, more than they drink uh, wine. And the study studied different people and different kinds of uh, types of alcoholic beverages. And it showed that people that drink one or two glasses of wine every day lived longer and were healthier than people who didn't, who drank none or drank another type of alcoholic beverage. And that was actually my first wake up, like, wow, that's really interesting. Because um, in, in our country, we do have a, a strong prejudice. Uh, the teetotalers in and in all the things that led to prohibition, are still alive within us in some way. We we have we all have remnants of puritanical ideas. And to hear about a study that says you're better off having a couple glasses of wine or, than none at all was really quite a statement. And then those kinds of studies have been repeated over the years and in more particular ways. So Uh, Wine benefits the cardiovascular system, and it lowers cholesterol. It um, helps with – my dad used to say, um, my drinking wine is good for my arteries. Well, he didn't – there wasn't any research about it at the time. It was really just a kind of um, a belief that he had. But it turns out to be so, that wine actually helps with – your blood pressure and your and clogged arteries. Um, wine contains antioxidants and resveratrol, which help with cancer prevention and particularly mouth throat and breast cancer. Wine is uh, beneficial for type two diabetes. It it uh, relieves, um, sorry, reduces insulin resistance. It helps with neurological disorders. It reduces cognitive decline and the risk of memory uh, disease. And it also helps with metabolic syndrome, uh, again, related to type 2 diabetes. So mm-hmm. wine, can, wine can do all of these things. Now, it doesn't. you can't just live a crummy lifestyle and expect the wine to take care of it, everything. So that's number one. Um, and, that's the caveat. <laughs> yeah, and and how much wine you consume is also important. And so the general rule is, or the general guideline is, one glass of wine a day for for women and two glasses of wine a day for men. But you know, some women are bigger than others, and some men are smaller than others. So um, you have to really be thoughtful about, um, about that. And, uh, not. and
0: some people, and excuse my interruption, but some people's yeah. pores are bigger than others. You know, a glass of wine is there's sometimes you go to a restaurant and you're like, Whoa, uh, where's the wine? And then sometimes you're like, Whoa, that's a lot. That was a good pour. Thank you very much.
1: That's right. And when they say <laughs> one glass, it means around five, five or six ounces. So that's Got the it. definition. Um, so wine also benefits mental health, promotes uh, longevity again, and and it promotes healthy gut bacteria. So wine can do all all of these things. Um, And why can it do all these things? Wine is a food. Bottom line, wine Mm. is food. And it's been around for thousands and thousands of years. Wine, if you take grapes and you crush them, you don't have to do anything uh, special. You can buy some table grapes in the, in the uh, grocery store, bring them home, put them in a bowl, squeeze them and watch, leave them on the counter. Watch what happens over the next few days. They will f- ferment and turn into wine. So it's, a, it's the most one of the most natural food products in the world and in history. Uh, and people historically... Have uh, have consumed wine for the health benefits and just the plain enjoyment of it. Uh, wine in many places is healthier than the water because the water was contaminated. So mm-hmm. wine, wine and beer consum- consumption um, in ancient times were, was actually uh, a healthy alternative to water. Mm. Um, so. Now, where
0: that, do you get the different types and the, the alcohol that's produced in it? How come some wines have a higher concentration? Is it because they're fermented longer? Is it a different grape? Is it all of the above? Something I don't I don't know.
1: So my personal preference, by the way, I'll start with that, is a wine that has eleven or twelve percent alcohol and which is really considered a table wine, especially in Europe. In the United States, table wines used to be at those levels, and now more table wines are going up in alcohol content. Part of that arises from uh, we, are, we are creating better root stocks and healthier grape vines, cyan, the, the part that's the variety, and so they get riper faster. And the higher the sugar content, the higher the alcohol content. And it's um, mm. if I pick my grapes at 24% sugar, it will make a 12% wine. If I pick my grapes at 28% sugar, it's a 14% alcohol. And mm. so it's, it's um, when you decide, the winemaker decides these days when to pick the grapes. And, and it's a preference. Unfortunately, I think (laughs) this is a value judgment. Unfortunately, um, higher alcohol wines have gotten higher ratings from wine critics in the last mm, 15 years. And it's created this trend, which I don't think uh, it's not not a trend I, I like. I don't like those higher alcohol wines for a lot of reasons. One of them is just because they're high alcohol, but I don't like the way they taste either. They, they, finesse.
0: Uh, uh, yeah, they're very bold. They're too. Um, I, I don't know. They did. They're. They don't leave a good taste in my mouth. When I drink a, a wine in Europe, uh, so I go to dinner and I just ask for the the house blend. You know, it's almost feels like it's watered down compared to the wines that we get here. Uh, Again, often. and it's it's more palatable. Yeah. It, it it's yeah. it's smoother.
1: Again, wines are, are food, and they're supposed to complement food. And so, when they're so high in alcohol and so bold, they kind of knock you over to get your attention, which is why they get high marks from some of these wine writers. Um, but they actually don't complement food very well. Mm-hmm. And so, I am i will um, put in a plug for our winery. Our winery now, with my son Matt, is Meyer Family Cellars, and. He, his wines. Um, he and his wife Karen. We were going to maybe talk about women in wine. Um, yes, we, we the two that. of them. The two of them together uh, run Meyer Cellars, and Karen is the winemaker. So she's oh, cool. one of the few women in w- winemaking. Uh, but they make these finesse wines because they. Well, Matt grew up <laughs> uh, grew up feeling this way and experiencing these types of wines but also they've really maintained their dedication to uh making food friendly wines.
0: I love it. So benefits of wine everything is you know being able to um you know p- please the please the palate um you know it's definitely got antioxidants and other type of health eating benefits. Now you as a woman in the wine business. Um, what has that been like? I, I actually trained and you might know her personally um, and you probably know their winery and Coughlin. Do you know Ann Coughlin? I
1: Coghlan don't know. Anne, wines?
0: No. no. Okay. Um, I, I've,
1: so, I've heard her. I've heard of her, but I don't know her wines.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I used to work with her, uh, wonderful woman, but I wanted to, you know, get a, a read on you on what the business is like being in being in a dominated, you know, male male culture there. Um, I'm sure that it has a lot of hurdles, you know, today with women uh, equality and, and you know, being able to do what they want, um, where they want and what industries. How is it getting into this industry early on and then maintaining that longevity through it? And what were some of the hurdles that you had to overcome?
1: First, first, before we, I dive into that, I'm going to say something about wine and pregnancy. And this is going to be a little controversial, possibly. Again, I'm not a doctor. Um, but somewhere in the 19th, late 70s or 80s, uh, the conversation began about uh, pregnant women not drinking wine. And for my first two children, I, I drank wine all the time. And because that conversation never came up. So when we talk about women and wine, one of the issues that really comes up for everyone is wine during pregnancy. And the idea of women not drinking wine during pregnancy is actually a new concept. And when I was pregnant with my three children, I drank uh, wine all the time, not maybe every day, but all the time. I felt total freedom to do that. And the reason is because I just looked at history and that women have been having babies and drinking wine forever, for thousands and thousands of years. And the the concern about wine and pregnancy has to do with fetal alcohol syndrome which really is related to mothers who are alcoholics. So if you tell an alcoholic woman to not drink wine during pregnancy, it's probably not going to happen, and, which is really a s- sad state of affairs. But for uh, the rest of us, drinking a glass of wine every now and then and enjoying it while you're pregnant, I feel is just a, a natural and pleasurable thing to do. Uh, so those that's the choice. I well, my, my,
0: my wife is from Japan and in Japan, they also, they eat sushi when they're pregnant and they do drink sake, um, again, to very small amounts, not to the point of, you know, losing your consciousness and your mind, but they'll sip it and have some and eat a little bit of sushi. It's not forbidden. It's actually yep. very common.
1: Yep. Well, in fact, I found that when I was breastfeeding my first child, you have to kind of relax. And by the end of the day, by five o'clock or six o'clock, I was a little tense and it wasn't going so well. So I called my doctor and he suggested that I drink a glass of sherry while I'm breastfeeding at that time of day. And it worked perfectly well. And it calmed me down enough to, to be able to, to breastfeed well, but also <laughs> I think it calmed my baby down a little bit too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah.
0: Great. Again, awesome.
1: those are old fo- folk wisdom, you know, and there's yeah. a lot to be said for folk wisdom.
0: Powerful um, stuff. Right. So, so
1: um, yeah, for wine, uh, women and wine in the, in the early seventies, When I uh, entered the wine business, uh, there basically weren't any women. Maybe there was one in the nation, one winemaker, and you never heard about her. And um, so I think it was about 1975, I started uh, going into wine shops and selling wine, actively selling. And I was warned against doing such things. Uh, people said, "Oh my gosh, you don't want to go there. Um, these guys are not respectful. They, um, it's a man's world. Uh, don't go into the back office. It's pretty seedy." Uh, but I had, you know, a family business, and and uh, the wine needed to be sold, and that was that's so that's what I did, and and it was fine. It was absolutely fine. I was always treated well. I think it made a difference that I was the winery owner and the wine shop, um, wine shop guys tended to just be really curious. Well, what's going on? In, you know, what's going on in the Napa Valley? What's, what's happening? What have you heard? What's the news? And so I was actually really welcomed. And in, so in those days it was me and Janet Trafetham. We were the first two women who actually went out and sold wine. And then slowly but surely wine uh, women have become wine salesmen and wine makers. And I'll say something about wine salesmen. Women tend to make better wine salesmen, as it turns out. And so there's many, many out there now. And they're better, um, they're better at it because women are are in general are detail oriented. They can really tell the story behind the wine, which is actually really interesting to the shopkeepers and the customers. Um, They tend to communicate, have better communication skills, better with people. Uh, Women have a kind of finesse and we don't like, we're not that like the classic car salesman. uh, And and so that's really appreciated, especially in the wine world. And um, so those things really uh, are great assets for uh, a sales company that wants mm. to hire women to sell wine. On the um, wine making side, those same attributes are really helpful. Um, the fa- the detail orientation, the, the better communication skills the finesse, um, the creativity. Women tend to, not that women have more intuition than men, but women tend to use their intuition a lot more than men. Hmm. And winemaking is a a skill where you listen a lot. It's like um, people used to ask me what my favorite vintages were. And I said, well, how can I answer that? It's like asking me who my favorite children are. And mm-hmm. each each one is unique, and my job as a mother is to bring out the best in them. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what winemakers do. The grapes are the grapes. You um, grape wine. Um, my husband used to famously say, "Great wine is made in the vineyard." Uh, but once you have it, you you then you your job, a winemaker's job, is to bring out the best in those grapes and that vintage um and so it's like it's very much like bringing up a child just Mm. really doing doing your best to enhance all of its natural attributes
0: i love that and that brings us back to what we originally were talking about about that love and connection you Mm. know there's there's a great obviously love for your child uh beyond anything else hopefully uh and if you have that similar intention and pursuit of creating something that you really want and you enjoy doing, you're going to put that love Mm -hmm. into that. It will manifest and become a, a beautiful product that's serving the world.
1: That's, that's exactly right now. So I've been in the wine business now for 50 years and, and I spoke about what it was like in the, in those early days today, there are a lot more women in the wine business. Um, And yet the women who are in the wine business will say that um, they're judged differently, that it's it's harder to be taken seriously. They have to women have to prove themselves, especially if they're winemakers, because it's a physically challenging job. Um, A number of women get harassed. Um, I don't know that it's any different in the wine business than it is in any other business uh, in today's world. Um, so there's, there's some work to be done in terms of acceptance and, uh, respect and equal pay. But I think we're, we've made a lot of progress, Mm. um, in the U S let's see, I read uh, 4% of the wineries are owned uh, by women. And I think that's up from probably 0%. So, Mm. so, um, we, we have definitely, women have definitely made progress in the wine business.
0: Awesome. Well, that's, that's yeah. great news. And uh, in, in closing, um, what would you, where do you recommend people to uh, find out, you know, more information about different types of wines, particularly your wine and your son and daughter-in-law's wine, um, how, like knowing what wines are best. Cause I, I go into a wine store, I, right? you know, go into a restaurant and look at, a wine menu and I'm perplexed. I have no idea. I obviously asked the the waiter in hopes that they understand uh, and probably 80% of them don't, uh, you know, you go to a fine dining restaurant and they'll have a uh, a sommelier and someone who is very, you know, educated on the wines, uh, but they don't necessarily, you know, tr- doesn't translate into what my uh, knowledge is of it. So where would somebody go to get more experience and knowledge on wines and what might be best for them and their families
1: well the best place to go actually is a wine shop and you you go go into a wine shop with a real person there uh not a not a big huge box store and ask for a good solid example of each variety of wine for for one a good cabernet a good, you know, something everyone uh, agrees on, a good Pinot Noir, a good Chardonnay, a Sauvignon Blanc, some of the basic wines, and and ask for a representative bottle of wine. And then take them home and open them at the same time and taste them and and really pay attention to the nuances of each and get to know the varieties. And once you've decided that I really like Sauvignon Blanc better than Chardonnay when I have fish or chicken, then you can start tasting different Sauvignon Blancs and decide which style you like um, because some are more herbaceous than others. And once you find what style you like, then you can communicate with sommelier or um, a waiter And say, well, I don't recognize anything on your list here, but the kind of wine I like is. And the the winery, the producer I like is from, you know, whether it's Australia or Napa Valley or wherever. So you actually need to train your own palate. Liking wine is very much like liking food. You know what you like, but you only know what you like because you've tried it. Mm. And you've become familiar with it. So... So it's a it's a it's a really fun exploration but it's something that you have to do on your own. My husband Justin wrote a book called Plain Talk About Fine Wine and it's a great overview. You can find it on Amazon, I believe. And we'll
0: put it in the show notes, Plain Talk on Wine.
1: Pl- plain Talk About Fine Wine.
0: About fine wine. Got it.
1: Yeah. And it's a great overview of all the different wine varieties. Uh, it's very it was it was designed to be a wine appreciation book and but in there he really does encourage people to trust their own palate and know what they like and don't let anybody else talk you into liking something different Mm. just like you wouldn't let somebody else talk talk you into not liking i don't know sushi So, (laughs) so um uh yeah so trust trust your own palate do have a little fun get together with some friends and do a little wine tasting and, um, and gradually you get so that you really know what you like. Um, I talk about wine a little bit in my book and certainly I talk about my love affair with Justin and, and I talk about, um, the wine business in, um, perfectly paired, uh, the love affair behind Silver Oak Cellar. So I talk about it there, but I don't talk really that much about wine appreciation that you'll find. Hmm. in um, there are also all kinds of, oh my gosh, there's all kinds of um, little vlogs and videos about wine these days too. Yeah, um, Well, I think
0: the, the title so, of your book perfectly paired um, is great to even plug again, Justin's book uh, and your book again, perfectly paired, you know, together those make a, a great marriage of an example of how and where, and, you know, the stories behind it, your story, especially that's so profound and beautiful.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. Well, this has been a unique episode and one that I had an awesome experience. Uh, That's what this is all about. It's creating unique experiences for people of all, you know, all over the world to have a different appreciation for what we're addressing. Um, I'm certainly motivated uh, to have a glass of wine tonight. And, uh, I definitely, uh, look into these books and I want you to just think about this, you know, ladies and gentlemen, when you're, uh, you know, thinking about health and fitness, think about the possibility of creating wine as a, a, a standard in which you are using on a, a regular basis within your limits, within limits that are considered healthy. Uh, five to six ounces, I think, is really important to note here. That uh, that's the size of a glass of wine, um, and so you know, make sure that you measure it out and know exactly where it falls into that glass and all different size glasses as well. So you might perhaps want to use the same glass as an opportunity to have that standard. Um, and uh, you know, I think it's a it's it's great. It is, it's, there's something something really valuable in this. Uh, in the experience of drinking wine too, it's social and, you know, it could be stress reduction and it offers an opportunity to just to relax, you know? And I think today more than ever, we need to do that.
1: That's right. And, you know, one of the more popular uh, uh, toasts when you, we have wine and I should have a glass of wine in my hand, but I don't, is asante. It means Mm. to your health. Uh, And that's, that's used the world over. So that's how, I'll say
0: goodbye. Awesome. Yeah. Austin Tay, everybody. Well, to you, thank you so much for being a guest on the show. Thank you for your knowledge, your wisdom, share uh, your vulnerability and sharing your cancer story and recovery. I wish you uh, an aloha day in Hawaii, yep. as they yep. would say. And thank you, everybody, for listening to the Steve Jordan experience. Till next time, please stay healthy and fit. Thank you for spending your time with me and my guest today on the Steve Jordan Experience. Now, if you enjoyed this episode, there are a few things that you can do. First, sharing is caring. So show your family and friends how much you care about them by sharing this podcast to encourage them to live their best life. Two, go to my website, stevejordan.com, to subscribe to my Get Fit community. Here, you will receive updates, news, and valuable information for ways for you to get more involved in the Steve Jordan experience. And finally, take a minute to please rate this podcast on Apple Podcasts. It helps me to continue to get outstanding guests to create an extraordinary listening experience for you. That's all, friends. Thanks for listening to the Steve Jordan experience.